3: NFL podcast owns a small condo on Seahawks Corner. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, coming to you from a room filled with heroes: Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan.
4: Does Greg pass the retina scan there in the condo on Seahawks Corner?
3: Oh no, <laughs> retina and He's scan. been cast out. <laughs> he he was cast out, and he he was. I took myself around. out. And we, called, we found him in the bushes a couple times on the compound, and we had <laughs> no. to say, no, 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 no. You gone. You had your chance. That feels just. I
1: mean, you know, it, it's a two way relationship, and I've embraced the yeah. Seahawks from, you know, I mean, it,
5: We've loved it, having it, you. Right. It's, been it's great. It, like, it was. Um, pretty eye-opening for me to see the intensity with which Mark and Dan were rooting on the Seahawks last uh, Sunday. Oh, no, wait. They were like half asleep during that game. No, no, no. Mark like, fell in love
4: with Josh McCown right
1: around the second quarter and they was his rooting They injury. tested my loyalties because the Josh McCown narrative was pretty juicy and special. But, you know, in the end, I got it right.
3: It was, well, it was a bit of a Are sleepy sure? game. <laughs> right. I no, I, I'm, not, I'm not arguing. If I had a pillow. I, I did go get a Red Bull at one point during that game. Had, That's right. You would across the street to 7-11. Um, but in general, even though, the Seahawks experience will end this upcoming weekend. I've really enjoyed my first year.
5: Well, it's clearly not a Seahawks corner
3: doesn't mean you have to pick them to win the Super Bowl. They're playing a a very beatable Packers team. But they have my support. I enjoy the quarterback. Um, What's his name? Russell Wilson. Go Hawks. And they also have that great fan base in the state. I'm, I just like the Seahawks. Hey. You got off the boat. <laughs> I was on the boat, and it's led to some issues yeah, between so, us. so committed,
5: you you think they're going to lose to uh, a fine Packers team.
4: Man, the Packers disrespect out of Greg already.
3: They're fine. They're fine. Uh, uh, a couple notes. couple notes before we get into today's show, which is a good one. Um, our second episode, the Around the NFL broadcast on NFL Network. Uh, airs 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Set your DVRs. I assume you already set the season pass, so you're covered. But just in case, um, we're already in the planning stages behind the scenes for this week's episode. We're very excited about it. Um, And we have so much to do today. We have a guest. He's going to come up in just a couple of minutes. He's going to join us on the phone, Peter Schrager, to talk about the big head coach hirings. It just went down in the newsroom. Um, early this morning, bang, bang, rule to Carolina, judge, all rise to the Giants. So we're going to get to um, Peter, who's going to talk about those two hires. Also, the Cowboys made it official, um, getting Mike McCarthy aboard. So we'll talk about that. Uh, also, we got, we're got we down to eight teams in the bracket, okay, uh, the Elite Eight. Uh, we're going to do a little draft. The draft Original- season for, for us is over. Uh, we're not doing any more drafts on Thursdays uh, until week one next year. However, we're going to do a draft of the remaining head coaches. And just so you guys know, we are drafting uh, by age order. So youngest with the first pick, oldest with the final pick, and the snake, I don't know who's older between Wes and Mark, but I do know who's younger.
1: I am I am older than Wes by a, a little bit, not a lot. Mm, about four or five months.
3: So you'll have the snake, just a heads up, for your preparation.
1: Well, that is hideous. I'm winding up with, at best, the fourth Hmm. rated coach well, franchise in turmoil already
4: and, this was sort of hard except I knew who the number 8 was
1: and you're the closest to your 50s so that's are you do you have any more <laughs> uh,
3: nuggets ageism based nuggets
1: you'd like to get out at this just point saying
3: <laughs> just saying All right. facts alright uh, yeah well, a lot of fun stuff to get to but first Wes a little nugget just for you let's do some news Riggy.
4: Today, the Oilers meet the Bengals of Cincinnati, which was named this week as the City of the Year by Sports Illustrated because of a sweep by the Reds and an outspoken football coach. Sam White hopes to continue the championship rally for the Queen City.
3: <laughs> uh, Wes, I, I saw a note uh, somewhere on the Twitterverse that uh, today, January 6th, uh, way back in 1991 on the same date was the last Bengals playoff win. And then I went and checked YouTube, as YouTube's a great resource for these things, and found the entire telecast. And right at the top, there's... It sounds like Dick Enberg, maybe? I thought that was Don Cricky. Thought, Don yeah, Cricky. Don yeah. Cricky. Uh, selling Cincinnati is the city of America. Well, it was right after the Reds had won the World Series, too. Right? Yeah. The Queen City, Wes. And you call your friends and family chumps for supporting the pro teams. What a disgrace. No, no, no. Just the Bengals. All right. <laughs> now... We are very happy to have one of our favorites. You know him, NFL Network reporter. You catch him at the sidelines at the biggest games. And, of course, he is one of the hosts, co-hosts, of the great Good Morning football program on NFL Network.
6: It is. Peter Schrager. What's up, Pete? What's up, guys? You know, two years later, Nick Van Exel and the Cincinnati Bearcats were giving everyone a run for their money, too. Ah. I'm just
4: saying. <laughs> Nick the Quick, one of the most exciting college basketball players of the last 30 years. You just I'm got, like, like, the Corey, first
6: one, I want to say.
4: Corey Google Blunt. Oh, yeah. Herb wow. Jones. Rod <laughs> Monroe. Terry Nelson. I, I could name that whole
1: starting five. Or... You're bringing Wes right
4: back right in. in. Trig, oh, yeah. You just
5: got a big fist pump out of Wes. I haven't been oh, yeah. you know, this excited yeah.
3: about a sports team in a long time. <laughs> Come back to Cincinnati, Wes. Well, don't leave us, but and including the Bengals. Come back, be a fan again.
4: If this TV show takes off, maybe I get a summer home. Joe right Burrow.
3: <laughs> you go. All right, so here's the deal. Peter Schrager, uh, we love him for his insight, and he's a good dude. And I was watching Good Morning Football just this morning, and Peter had some great takes on on the head coaching situations uh, in Carolina and and elsewhere. So I wanted to go through the latest head coach news and, and TP it up on some, for some of this stuff. But let's start with like kind of the stunning news this morning, really, that the Carolina Panthers had finalized the deal uh, to bring Baylor coach Matt Rule. On as the fifth permanent head coach in team history. Um, and Yahoo first had it. Rap Sheet followed up with it. And Peter, this one really, I think, surprised people because the New York Giants is always that job. Even if that franchise has been on, uh, fallen on hard times in recent years, that's a prestige job. I, I believe you called it a blue blood franchise on GMFB. And yet he doesn't even get up there. I mean, this thing, this caught everybody by surprise.
6: Let me take it through a little bit of a timeline because I've had a real good chance to speak to a lot of people around the league since that news dropped. Uh- Monday was a day in Waco, Texas, for David Tepper and his his group, which includes Marty Herney, the current GM, Stephen Drummond, who runs the PR department, but has played a very big role also in sort of helping everyone vet these characters and these different coaching candidates. So they get down to Waco, Texas, and I explained this on Good Morning Football, and I'll explain it to your listeners, and I'll kind of maybe go a little deeper than what people know about Tepper. Tepper, and I grew up in this area, Tepper is viewed as one of, the biggest mavericks-slash-most-successful hedge fund managers in the history of American finance. He went from Goldman Sachs and created his own hedge fund called Appaloosa. That Appaloosa hedge fund is worth billions and billions and billions of dollars, and he's a western Pennsylvania guy who did it pretty much on his own, Went and built this thing on his own. And when Enron went under, or a couple years back when banks like Lehman went under, What he did was he invested in the real world of American economy and doubled down on the banking system and doubled down on a lot of different assets that people were fleeing from and has made so much money being a guy who goes into rooms and closes. So when I heard that he had the first crack at Matt Rule, whether or not this was his guy or not, I didn't know what the situation was. I just knew that David Tepper was going to be sitting in the living room of Matt Rule in Waco, Texas, meeting with his family and providing what he can provide and offering what he can offer. I thought this is not looking so good for the Giants because if Tepper wants this guy, he's got a blank check waiting for him. And he also is a trained killer in getting (laughs) deals done. So from what I'm told, the pitch was this. It was essentially... I don't know what New York has going on. I don't know wherever else everything else is going on. You've got a clean slate here. There's a blank check to give you whatever you want to build things here. And I come from the Pittsburgh Steelers' outlook of franchise building. I don't want to flip over coaches every two years. When I got there in Pittsburgh, it was three names. Chuck Knoll, Bill Cower, Mike Tomlin, and that's been the case since 1970 in Pittsburgh. That was the pitch to Matt Rule, and the pitch was, we want you to build this thing. It's a long-term build, and you can pick and choose what you need to have around you. And I think at the end of the day, whether or not people are going to come out and say, well, the Giants actually didn't have him as their number one, you're going to hear a lot of stuff. It never was a situation where it got to that because they didn't even let him get on the plane.
3: Were the Giants, in in your belief or anything that's floating around out there, were they overconfident in this situation and did it expect to be uh, this to happen? Were they unprepared, not understanding the background of Tepper? Like, what is the vibe that you're hearing or you, that you feel here?
6: Tepper was to meet with him Monday. Rule was supposed to meet with the Giants brass on Tuesday, and Tepper is Tepper with the Giants brass. It's. John Mara, it's Steve Tisch, it's Dave Gettleman, it's contract negotiator negotiator Kevin Abrams, right there alone. It's four different people with four different roles within the organization, two different owners, a GM, a a contract guy who has a much bigger role in that building than people necessarily um, give him credit for in Kevin Abrams. And I think at the end of the day, Tapper was like, "Look, it's me and you, bud. Like, let's go and build this thing. Let's break it down and let's get it done." The Giants, from what I understand, fell in love with Joe Judge, and that could be fine, and that could be their guy. But the fact that he didn't even get out of his living room before agreeing to a deal with the Baylor—I'm sorry, with the Carolina Panthers—tells me a lot. uh, There's been reports, and there's a lot going on. And you have to realize there are agents for all these coaches. There are there are team sources. Everyone wants to come out of this saying, "We got our first pick. He's ours. We're happy. We're ecstatic." Joe Judge blew the Giants away, no doubt about it. And the Giants are going to say, look, we, we've spoken to rules people. This was a good fit for everyone, and that's fine. I would just say this: When in both New York papers, who are very connected with their beat reporters at the New York Giants, have Matt Rule on the cover of their New York papers on Monday morning, and the story by Monday at 9 a.m. in New York is that Matt Rule is the new coach of the Carolina Panthers, there might be a lot of scrambling going on, saying, "Okay, well, we actually really like this guy, and let's push that narrative, and let's push this guy." So we'll never hear if Matt Rule is the number one from New York, from New York. And Adam Schefter tweeted out a very telling tweet saying, "Hey, that was a lot of media conjecture." That wasn't necessarily the truth of what was going on in the building. They wanted to meet Rule before he, they fell in love with him. But for several days now, a lot of people have been saying, Rule of the Giants, McDaniels to the Panthers, and that was not the case. It's Rule of the Panthers and Joe Judge to the New York Giants. I
1: think it's quite illuminating to hear you talk about David Tepper, who we've tried to get to know and figure out from a distance here in the studio. And, you know, it's, it's very clear to, to see uh, his powers and abilities to sell the Panthers. And I think Panthers fans listening to you speak would be suddenly extremely encouraged which, with what's happening there. Because I could look at a guy like Jimmy Haslam, who also learned inside the Pittsburgh Steelers organization and has done the absolute opposite of what Tepper is talking about building. What about Rule, though? Sell? What did Rule do to sell this owner, because he was inside the Jets building a year ago, and that fell apart for different reasons. But it just seems like this is someone who's tra- who comes into programs and some completely transforms them.
6: Yeah, and and if you think he's going to be one of these, how do I put it? All right, so Cliff Kingsbury came in and wowed the Cardinals brass, and is a totally different type of coach than Matt Rule. Kingsbury. I don't think he'd be insulted if I said he was a players coach and empowers the player and says, I'm going to you know talk to them as peers and we're going to get the best out of them. Matt Rule is no joke. He comes from a Parcells background, where that's his mentor in this industry. Obviously, he works for Coughlin, and he doesn't just build programs. He builds programs in his likeness, and I think what Tepper and the Carolina Brass really enjoyed or really liked out of him was that he's no-nonsense, this is not Ron Rivera, this is not anyone that they've seen before. This is a guy who's going to build it from the ground up and is going to be a disciplinarian for a lot of different reasons. So whether or not he's forty four or and you think, okay, well he's kind of a peer to some of these players, I don't think that's it. I think he sold Tepper on saying, I'm gonna build this thing, we're gonna have a culture first and foremost, and no one's gonna get away with anything. We're gonna build it in a disciplinarian way, which I don't think players necessarily do flips for, but guess what? Get on board because every player that has been interviewed. I'm talking Robbie Anderson. I'm talking uh, Hassan Redick. These guys say that Tepper uh, Tepper, Rule, changed their lives at Temple. I haven't had the opportunity to speak with any of the Baylor guys he's coached. I'm just talking about the different players over the past couple years because, guys, it wasn't just the Jets last year. Two years ago when McDaniels left them at the altar uh, in Indianapolis, they were scrambling quite a bit, and they interviewed Matt Rule. And let me tell you, Matt Rule really impressed the Colts brass too so he'd been through this a couple times before Baylor paying him college football coach money and when I say that I mean north of five million dollars a year you know like he didn't need to leave Baylor for the Carolina Panthers so I think he sold Tepper and I think Tepper sold him and they're gonna they're gonna ride this thing together very curious to see who Matt Rule brings with him we've seen a bunch of names tied to him I'm not familiar with those names one of them is Sean Ryan I believe the other one was uh, Snow, who was a defensive coach with him at Baylor. I don't know those guys. Not familiar with their work. Ryan had some NFL experience. But they're going to build this thing, not like a college program, but like an NFL program built in the likeness of a college coach.
3: Snow, the informer guy? Phil,
5: Phil Snow, who is his college guy. Oh, who different Snow. Had some, had some time <laughs> with the Lions. And then Sean Ryan, who's the Lions quarterback coach currently, are reportedly going to be his coordinators.
6: Don't know either one of those guys. Love the Canadian rapper Snow. I loved I loved Percy Snow, the old player, but I do not Eric Snow, but I do not know Snow and I guess that shows my my <laughs> shortcoming sometimes as an insider. I don't know every single coach on every single staff. I'm sure he's wonderful, but that's not a name I'm familiar with and we'll we'll, we'll go from there.
4: Shrags, you and your brethren in the football insider industry, you guys mobilize immediately and fill our knowledge gap on Matt Rule. But one thing I've not heard from anybody today Cam Newton appeared to be on the outs with Tepper. Do you have any insight into what Cam Newton's future is specific to Matt Rule?
6: I don't, and, and I think that's a very interesting subplot, not only for the Carolina Panthers, obviously, but for a lot of teams that are looking for quarterbacks this offseason or could be looking for quarterbacks. And I think that's going to be the primary decision here because I'll tell you guys, when the Giants come in and talk to you, they say, okay, Daniel Jones looks pretty established, Saquon Barkley looks pretty established, and you're going to be able to build with this team. When the Browns come and talk to you, they say, okay, well, Baker Mayfield had a pretty good rookie year. Let's throw out the second year, but let's see. You at least have something to build on here. The Panthers, I'm not sure if... Cam Newton was the lead the lead excelling point on this one and I'm also not sure that Matt Rule isn't like hey let me get a look at Cam first let me see if I can work with him because Cam Newton's one of the greatest athletic talents and one of the better quarterbacks we've seen in the past 15 years so fascinated to see how that plays out I do not have a pipeline on what Matt Rule thinks mm of Cam Newton. Also, I'd argue that Tepper did not rule out Cam Newton by any means either. They could have made those moves already, and they could have come out of the gate saying that.
5: I almost got the feeling Tepper... Was trying to slow the roll on the idea that Cam Newton was heading elsewhere. That that noise might have been coming either from the front office, from Newton's camp. Who really knows? I mean, Sean Rule. I mean, uh, rules. Matt Rule's getting hired. I'm sure he's a great program builder. He's stern. He's all that. Like he's not getting hired unless he was known for an innovative spread offense. And we're in the year 2020, and that's what he's bringing. He's not getting a seven year contract, which is a as long as we've seen, in I think in NFL history, well, Gruden for a first-time oh, first yeah. coach to get a seven-year contract that you know could go at sixty-two million-dollar base, like that's fine. He's doing it because he has an idea of how to run offenses I- into the next decade, and Cam Newton seems to fit that pretty well. If if you don't have uh, other good options, like I, I would imagine that that would be an intriguing you know plan A
3: or B for. On the flip side, also though, you could see it as you have a Gruden-esque runway to do whatever you want, and yep. that includes tearing this thing down to the studs. Before we let you go, Peter, back to the Giants and and Joe Judge, who had been, you know, obviously another Belichick disciple, the special teams coordinator. He's worked with the wide receiver group. Uh, this one. It was like a double shock because you had, whoa, rules not going to the Giants. And then before you could process it, bang, uh, they hire this guy, Judge. What have you heard about him? What is the the buzz around this guy? Was this somebody that was in demand behind the scenes? What, what's the deal here?
6: I'll give you the other shock to it. There's a third ripple to this. So Josh McDaniels was supposed to interview with the Panthers today. By 9 a.m., you know, rules called the head coach. And then he's supposed to interview with the Giants tomorrow, and by 10 a.m., the Giants have a head coach. And it's Karma, not him, baby. <laughs> but it's his colleague who is the special teams coordinator and the wide receivers coach. Here's what I've got on Joe Judge, and i got to be completely honest, again, a vulnerable spot here for me when I say that I knew he was interviewing and I have been been told about Joe Judge throughout this season as a potential candidate, but I do not know Joe Judge personally. I like to think I know just about every coordinator in this league or head coach, and I go out of my way to, to make... I don't know Joe Judge, but his story is very interesting in that he went and worked for Saban and then came with Belichick, and I know the Giants. That is very appealing. Now, special teams coach. He's not your X's and O's guy. He's not your spread offense guy. He's certainly not going to be your defensive let's coach him up. Special teams coach means he is a football guy who is going to run through a wall and is going to have your team well coached and prepared. That's a special teams coach to me. So I Joe Judge, honestly, that's not going to be the the, the the Cliff Kingsbury wow you with the spread offense, and it's certainly not the Wink Martindale I've been around for 15 years coaching defenses, and these guys are going to respect me. This is more of your CEO type. He, he's got the respect I know in New England. I've spoken a lot of those guys. They're like, no, Joe is the absolute man. Uh, but to not even meet with McDaniels, who was, you know, uh, in a lot of people's minds, at least going to get a look from the Panthers and Giants is what shocked me the most on this one. The rush to hire Joe Judge an hour after Rule was hired—not uh, to say that the, the, that the two things had anything connected with him—but shows me that either a) Joe Judge blew them away in the meetings, or b) they're like crap. Rules are number one; he's our number two. Before another team, mm. the Browns, for example can get their hands on Joe Judge. Let's make sure he's ours.
5: We like him. So. Well, I- Ian indicated that the Mississippi State football job was Joe Judge's, and that uh, affected the timeline that you know he had to either say yes or no to that college job. And I'm not surprised that McDaniels – I'm surprised he didn't get the interview. I'm not surprised that the Giants didn't even want to do it because I think McDaniels was a non-starter because Gettleman is there, which is the same reason why Matt Rule might have been a non-starter too. There's no indication that Josh McDaniels would have ever come into a place where he, he didn't have some level of control or at least a strong relationship with his front office. And working under Dave Gettleman, who might be starting off on the hot seat, uh, doesn't sound like something he would have been interested in. And so I think if you're getting McDaniels, you're getting a whole – Package and the Giants basically chose Gettleman over having flexibility because
6: it's a great. Take
5: I mean, there. Matt Rule too. I think uh, that had to be something that was concerning for for Matt Rule of that you're basically inheriting Gettleman and Gettleman's in charge.
6: I'm not going to say that Marty Herney isn't as um, you know authoritative or doesn't have the same trigger as as Dave Gettleman does or power of the trigger as Dave Gettleman does, but I would say that Marty Herney, who's, who's still there in Carolina, <laughs> <It's> met <amazing. laughs> with Rule and Carolina, he met with BNME, he met with a lot of guys, and it's like, Marty's going to work with you, and we're going to figure this out. I don't know necessarily if that's the case in New York when you meet with the Giants, if it's, hey, Gettleman's going to work with you, or it's, you're going to work with Gettleman. And I, I'm a Dave Gettleman fan. I think Dave Gettleman's done some, some bold, big swing moves, but I also think at the end of the day, if you look at the Giants and what they have in salary cap and some of the talent that they do have on their roster right now, it's it's not a terrible situation for a head coach to walk into, but you better be able to work with that general manager, and you better be able to want to work with that general manager. So to your point, Greg, when the Panthers come to you and say, it's a blank slate, do what you want, and then the Giants come and meet with you, and there's four people in the room, and it's, hey, sell yourself on the Giants, things get a little different.
3: Peter Schrager, you came and you stuff. did the damn you guys thing. You are great. I mean, <laughs> I'm watching you on TV and I'm like, man, he's wearing a great bomber and he looks comfortable up there and he's just delivering the information. You're a vital piece of the mm. puzzle there and a very successful show that we all love. So thank you for um, coming on and giving us the info that that we well, needed. What a guest.
6: You, I'll tell you guys this really quickly. I'm on a flight to L.A. last Friday. 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. I'm watching some rerun of, a, of an NFL regular season game on the NFL Network. I'm about to change it. And then you guys came on and a smile from ear to ear on my face, and I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was great. And if the network executives are listening, why not? Let's give these boys a TV show of their own. Let's, let's bookend this thing with our little foursome, your foursome. You guys have Erica. We got Will Silva. Let's go and roll. Let's do this Take over the world. Which
1: one, which one of the four of us were you most impressed with? <laughs>
6: <laughs> I got to say Mark you had this this incredible like 1 minute Monologue where you I, what was going on with that with that video feature and there was like spookiness going on and there was a boat and I couldn't follow it for the life of me but there was teams being washed up onto shore oh yeah that's not my kind that's not my wheelhouse I enjoyed it I had no idea what the hell was going on that was right.
3: not the answer
1: Mark was looking no, for I was or I was right seeking up. something else there but that's that's okay <laughs> thank you I Peter
6: liked I liked uh, it
5: bro for our support I also wanted to congrat we've really enjoyed your performance too on those little promos where it's like the playoffs NFL Network and you're doing the little point you know Great it's pointing. like it's like k in the front and you're in the back and you're just like hey i'm a guy i'm pointing and then it's like irvin with the football it, that do, like, that stuff honestly, is good Greg, you would love this they handed
6: me a football i swear to I god love they the me football, football move like just play with the football spin it and i'm like i can't because i know you're gonna end up using that and i'm gonna make fun <laughs> of holding and spinning a football
3: it's not me <laughs> i mean you've done that show long enough now where you got to be at the malcolm gladwell 10,000 hours thing you, you got to have the whole thing mastered at this point
6: yeah, and my rule is no phone. I'm not staring at I'm not like doing the, and I'm not knocking Ratshik because he actually does have the phone in his hands at all times. Poor I'm guy. Like, I'm not defined by that, and I'm yeah. also not going to be spinning a football next to Nate Burleson. That You're not going to put Schrager in a box. Here. You won't.
3: All right, Peter. Thank you, buddy. Thank,
6: thank you. you. <laughs> there he is, Peter
3: Schrager. That guy does the damn thing. He just He's knowledgeable, and he's really good at his job, and a nice fit here on the pod. He's got his ear to the ground like an old war chief.
4: Waiting for the drums to start to kick off, you know he knows when the battle's coming. He knows everything ahead of time. Well
1: put. Wes. We do like to occasionally dip into reporting of our own, and I think that we could even convince ourselves at moments that we have inside information. But it feels like a child compared to what he's offering. Yeah, you could bring up anyone, and he knows everything. And yet, in a very Patriots manner, he
5: still doesn't know Joe Judge. I mean, Joe Judge is about as under the radar as a uh, uh, head coach is. I mean, he's a pretty young guy, like thirty. Like even Patriots fans don't know anything about
1: Joe Judge, there is other, one,
5: other than he works with receivers. There, Bill like, Belichick, actually, this
1: floated around. He, he had a long statement from past this past summer about Joe Judge and basically said he can coach any position on the field. He had a lot of faith in him. And I would imagine, because Bill Belichick is such a special teams, obsessive special teams historian, that you're not going to just hand that role to anyone. He must no, feel the, uh, the world about Joe Judge. By the sounds
5: of it, it, when you do look back at the quotes, Belichick said he clearly... Believes that Joe Judge can be a great NFL head coach, and that he was kind of taking him under his wing in a in a in a in a unique way, um, meeting with him weekly. You know, maybe compared to any other coach I can think of, maybe other than McDaniel's.
3: To Peter's point, which I thought was a good one, when you uh, take a special teams coach, who's a guy that's usually, you know, a guy that's about playing hard, X's and O's, go get it, um, energy and you put him at the head coach at a time where the league is about finding the next uh, architect, the next brilliant guy that can take your offense to another level. It does feel like a Dave Gettleman hire that it's like football's about hot and it's about passion. It's about being on time and making the plays when you need to make it. Maybe it works, but it's a little bit outside the box of what we've seen with some recent well, high profile. Well, you hires. gotta, you gotta have a, a great staff
5: and uh, like, that's going to be his big challenge. And I think, With McDaniels now being up in the air and Judge gone, it is remarkable all the people that have left New England, of which McDaniels could still be one. Just in the last couple of years, Flores, O'Shea, Joe Judge... Matt, Patricia, and then I can name three or four other uh, uh, lower-level assistants. Maybe Nick Casario. Like, it is has been a total house. The, of, pastor, the pastor, yeah. The, the, the pastor
3: Easterby, whatever his name is. Uh, wait, we got some breaking news. Okay. Let's just hold that thought. Ricky, what do we got?
2: This just in, I have a text from Peter Schrager himself saying, Mark is isn't upset with what I just said,
1: is he? Oh, not in the least. Not in the least. I couldn't have. I just. I am just surprised and happy that he watched the show. Oh. By the way, the show did very well in the ratings. I, I gave you that information on Sunday night, and I have that confirmed.
2: I texted him back and I said, "Yeah, he just said no." That, that should is cut not the interview you not, from the show.
1: You should not be conducting the head conversation
3: about me and be, you I will. I'm going to speak gonna re- for Mark without speaking <laughs> to Mark first. Oh, I just
2: said, a said a that misstep. you're raging mad at oh, that to perfect. delete the well, entire. Well, that's interview. also right yeah
3: that's also right
1: well handled i mean
2: (laughs) he said oh breaking news he said um do you think he's gonna like ever forgive me and i was like no i think it'll be fine and then he goes but does he hate me
3: oh yeah i mean this (laughs) is just it would be a situation where and mark i love you but like four hours from today i'll be at home and i'll get a text from mark like hey do you you think schräger really didn't like my segment no, I won't. Why do I, you always put Shager on the spot like that? I remember our you last did the inter- same thing at the pool. Our last
5: interview with him, you, you asked him who does he respect, the- <laughs> right and, most, and he, without him.
1: any without thinking about it, he said Greg. So right. I wanted to dig into that topic a it little was bit unthinking. more. Unthinking, I agree yeah. with
3: that. So he <laughs> gave an honest answer. All right, I enjoy him to I the think moon. At some point, you should keep asking him that until he just says. Mark Sessler. Well that's what I'm going for. Yeah, one just, day. he could
1: he could end this charade
4: by just answering the West, right answer. To your point. What I was going to say is our buddy Sean O'Hara, who once found us, you know, acting like we were passed out in Deion Sanders' special room <laughs> <laughs> and we blew his mind. He was on and pointed out that the Giants have had the last two head coaches slash offensive coordinator, and it hasn't worked out with McAdoo and Shermer. The goal this time around was not just leadership, but to be to instill a more physical philosophy on both sides of the ball, which seems to fit well with Gettleman and his hog mollies.
3: Mm-hmm. All right. Let's now move to the Cowboys who um, on Monday uh, after we our Sunday pod where we talked a little bit about the Cowboys situation where we learned that Jason Garrett officially was out at Dallas, they announced that um, Mike McCarthy is their new head coach. He signed a deal um, to become Dallas's new head coach. Uh, The deal became official on Tuesday when it was announced. It's a five-year contract, and the hiring came less than a day after the Garrett era officially ended. McCarthy spent last season out of football, of course, after 13 seasons as the head coach of the Packers. Now, there's been some criticism out there, Mark, that... After you went through this whole era of Garrett and all the criticism that seemed to last half a decade at least, uh, that you kind of ha- hired someone that's similar to Jason Garrett as a coach, did you do you buy into that criticism of this hire?
1: The resume isn't similar. I mean, no, I, I understand not. with the the overall kind of Q rating of Mike McCarthy nosedive during that final year in Green Bay, but. He has made the playoffs nine out of 13 years with the Packers, 10-8 and eight postseason record, a Super Bowl title. That's everything that Jason Garrett... Could not accomplish with very talented roster. Never got roster. to
3: see title game, Jason
1: Garrett. I don't see... I, I, no, the, and he has his own offense, good or bad. He does, and there's also whispers of him wanting Kellen Moore to stick around. So that... that, that the one I want to know about Mike McCarthy is what is the offense? What are we going to see? Because he went through this sojourn year and he went through this remaking and rethinking about how to, you know, run a team and run his own attack that felt stale by the end. So what new wrinkles, along with this, you know, personal PR triumph, because, I mean the attention around Mike McCarthy over the last month. I mean, anyone that go, gets into any sort of trouble should hire the people that Mike McCarthy hired. What are we really going to get? The guy that's, that he's replacing should take notes because McCarthy, well,
5: they literally them. share an agent, which is a ridiculous, <laughs> you that, I mean, all the co- uh, very many, a lot of these coaches have the same agent, but McCarthy and Garrett share the same agent. So while McCarthy was literally in Jerry Jones's house and Jason Garrett, according to Jay Glazer was, pushing as hard as he can to keep the Cowboys job he was not you know that the part of the reason it took a week was he was not going down without a fight that's what Glazer said the same guy is representing both
4: this is kind of a joke to me how is that not a joke it's wild (laughs) seems like a conflict of interest my one reservation I know there's been criticism of of his offense but just thinking back to the last I don't know half decade with the Packers This guy is a known lead sitter. He will sit on leads for an entire quarter, an entire half. And you read Vince Lombardi, and says one of the first lessons he learned, and it was a hard lesson to learn, don't sit on the ball for an entire quarter. I I don't know. Mike Ah. McCarthy's selling this six-person video unit, eight-person analytics team. He's got a 14-person football technology department. Maybe they can help him with that area that killed some of his Packers. Right, he struggled in game management like Garrett did. I do wonder if keeping Kellen
5: Moore or strongly considering it, you know, if Jerry Jones was pushing up was part of the deal. That, that I think Jerry Jones wanted to keep Kellen Moore and whether that was, you know, part of the conversation that they had. Would well,
1: you? I mean, and Kellen Moore has an open invitation to go to the University of Washington and become their OC too. So mm. that may intensify or move that decision up a little And we should say McCarthy,
5: uh, it's been reported, is going to bring in, expected to bring in Mike Nolan as his defensive coordinator. Nolan um, was his boss back with the 49ers way back in 2005. Is One Nolan going to wear the suit? I like that suit. I want
4: to know if the suit is back because
3: he had the... So.
4: Uh, Are you allowed to do that today?
1: Book. I don't know. That'd be crazy not to allow it, but I mean, I could see... it. it I feel like they efficiency. stick them in all these, like, team logo apparel business, and some know how to look good in it, and some simply have not grasped that concept. Wow. Like Mike Mike Nolan was the head coach back in San Francisco
5: and Mike McCarthy was his coordinator on one of the worst teams I've ever seen with T- Tim Rattay, Ken Dorsey, uh, Alex Smith's rookie year. They were dead last in, in yards and in offense and defense. But that actually was a good reminder for me of like coaching hires are impossible to predict. I mean, everything in football is impossible to predict, but especially coaching hires because the Packers hired Mike McCarthy off that season, off coordinating the worst offense in football and everyone at the time was like, what? Really? You're hiring Mike McCarthy? And it worked like gangbusters the first five years he was there. So who the hell knows?
3: We are also coming up, Wes, to your point about McCarthy and that bad, bad trait of sitting on Leeds, the five-year anniversary of... To, to me, outside of the Super Bowl uh, with the Falcons, the worst collapse we've ever seen, Seattle Green Bay, a game that I'm not even a Packers fan, and that loss still sticks to me, and that was a perfect example of a guy that took the air out of his own ball.
4: I think it's a bigger choke job than the Falcons game. When you see the coaching moves that were made and the way the team played, I think it was a bigger – I credit the Patriots more than, the Fal- than, more than I blame
3: the Falcons. Um, all right, and one more head coaching job left. Mark, I believe you are aware of this: that the Cleveland Browns uh, remain. So they've they've taken the opposite uh, path. This is what. Bad teams typically do, but maybe this is the right path to do, which is whatever you did the last time, do the opposite. So you didn't even look outside the building last time. You said Freddie Kitchens is our guy. Now they're looking everywhere. Jim Schwartz, they're requesting an interview with the Eagles, D.C., and former Lions head coach. I believe he will be, Mark, the eighth interview. And now there's no rush because nobody else is looking to hire a head coach. Uh, so it just becomes a matter of them deciding who's the right guy. They have the pick of everybody that's left. How you feeling right now?
1: This is... I'm always a split mind here, but the weird outlier to this little journey that they've been on is that I thought that Jimmy Haslam's press conference last week, and I've been swayed by his press conferences before because it's not that he has skills in that area... I thought was the best one that he's ever had with the Browns. And it, as disastrous as everything was last year, I do wonder if at some point in this job, in this thing where you've gone through this process so many times, that you are learning and I I, I viewed the removal of John Dorsey ultimately as trying to you know, against what the Giants have done is not shove potential candidates inside a front office that, that that already would have had a powerful voice in John Dorsey. that I think it opened up the doorway for Josh McDaniels and whoever he wants to bring along with him. A, a lot of these interviews, the Brian Dayballs and, and maybe even Jim Schwartz, I view more as uh, potential lo- exploratory talks. And, you know, Schwartz is on our contract, but Dayball to me is a potential coordinator type. Uh, I have just felt all along that Josh McDaniels... You thought since... Two weeks ago, this was going to be McDaniels. I, I have and like I, I, I guess you know the it, the news happened so quickly this morning that I, I thought they were going to lose Josh McDaniel's potentially because he was sitting after all these other scheduled you say interviews. That as if you want McDaniel's, I, I I don't know what I wanted to, as a Browns fan. I don't know what I want. To Greg's point, I find these these coaching hires so unpredictable that you know who knows how it's going to go. But I like the idea. What I didn't want was shoving a candidate with. People already in place that whoever it is brings their own people, and it sounds like that there is an open flexibility from the houses on down to allow whoever it is to come in and craft their own organization, which they desperately
3: need to do to keep pace with the Ravens and Steelers. Catch up, much less keep pace. They interviewed Dable on Monday. McDaniel scheduled to interview on Friday. Kevin Stefanski also expected to interview um, this week, and Jim Schwartz
5: today. So almost, you know, three of those four are from the Belichick tree, including Schwartz.
4: Uh, well, Schwartz is while. one of the rare candidates who checks the boxes of Belichick tree approved by the analytics crowd <laughs> approved by unnamed sources in the executive ranks. He seems to be liked by a lot of people. It would be interesting if McDaniels,
5: if now was the time to go, there's a, a thought, you know, in new England that as, as uncertain as the Browns are, and I think ownership would probably be the, the biggest concern for him. Um, that the Patriots is more uncertain, that he doesn't know what's up. He doesn't know, like, the staff there is very strange. He doesn't know if Brady's going to be back. They certainly didn't have, you know, everything
1: is kind of up in the air in New England, too. Steve Belichick's starting to rise up the ranks. Is McDaniel still the
3: next in line? Well, while we're on this topic, let's hit that. Uh, Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, spoke to Peter King in his Football Morning in America column and um, had this to say about Tom Brady and what his future holds. Uh, you know, my hope and my prayer is number one, he play for the Patriots or number two, he retires. <laughs> he has the freedom to decide what he wants to do and what's in his own best personal interest. And, um, Craft what he doesn't want to see here, he does not want to see Johnny Unitas on the Chargers. He doesn't want to see Joe Namath on the Rams. And he certainly doesn't want to see Tom Brady on someone's billboards uh, in 2020 as the all-time great quarterback now associated with a different team, which I totally get. What I found interesting is that he would come out and say that, like, I'd rather him be gone totally uh, than return to the Patriots. The fan. But I totally get where he's coming from.
4: Well, it seemed like after reading that article that if Kraft is running this instead of Belichick, and I don't know if after twenty years and what Brady's accomplished, maybe the owner is running this decision. He he definitely wants Brady back. I think Brady, if you kind of you know pick
5: the words that he chose, he you know he probably wants to be back too. Tom Curran wrote a, a great piece, which I linked to uh, on Twitter about the situation. And look, Tom, Tom, in about 600 words, he kind of described, he explained the entire Brady vantage point point, the, the lack of money that he's gotten in the last handful of years, the kind of push and pull between Belichick always, maybe kind of looking at when are we going to get out of this and to where he is now. And uh, I, I think Brady probably wants to be back to, and the question is whether Belichick really wants him back and, and whether Brady would just take a, a lesser deal to come back because that might be the only choice he has. It's I mean, how often... pretty fascinating.
1: What is the track record of Bill Belichick clinging to players in decline? I mean, I'll... It, not to bring up the Browns again, but when he when he cut Bernie Kosar, that was the biggest story in the league that year, and it was a shocker to Browns fans. But he well, this cor- is Tom Brady. He correctly assessed yeah. that player's diminishing skills, even, as he said. And when, now, where are we with Tom Brady? I mean, but even before this season, I,
5: I thought that was a great detail he had. You know, he was really hoping for the contract that Breeze got. Tom Brady was, which was a two-year, fifty million dollar type. Uh, extension. He, he's coming off a Super Bowl win, a season he played pretty well on balance, certainly had an epic uh, AFC championship game performance, and couldn't get that. You know, a, a couple years ago, coming off the best comeback in Super Bowl history, he was looking for a new contract, and he got a bunch of incentives added to his deal that he didn't reach, even while they're making the Super Bowl again. So it it's like they've, they've been playing hardball with Brady a while, and there's not a lot of reason to think They'll change it now. Other than they don't have any option behind. The,
3: them. I mean, I think the the idea of them just not being ready to say goodbye really could work to Brady's advantage too. That Brady Kraft, doesn't want to yes. leave. Kraft uh, doesn't want him to leave, and if it if it takes a few extra million dollars, $10 million to keep the greatest player in the history of the franchise and arguably the history of the league in business with them for another year. I just want to where Belichick is in that whole situation. And and
5: Brady, I think, has a a thought in his head because he's wired this way. Who's going to want me? I'm 43. My team just struggled down the stretch. I'm not 100%. He doesn't want to go join some rebuilding team like he's going to want a good situation how confident is he that he's going to get a better situation than having to move his entire family or go live by himself and learn a new offense it's like he struggled enough dealing with Jacoby Myers and Nikhil Harry like what's he going to do going to you know there's only so many situations that I think he's going to see and and think that actually it's a very like complicated game of chicken. To your
3: point, Mark, I, I guess it would take for this thing to maybe fall Maybe the Browns
5: and Josh McDaniel.
3: I don't know. Maybe to um, <laughs> the point that you were making, maybe the only way this doesn't happen, a deal, is that Belichick kind of behind the scenes says, no, we need to move on. But I don't know if that happens again. Well, we know that. It's also moving on We know it has, though, on some level. I mean,
5: he was ready to go Jimmy G. I mean, they've been trying to plan this out for a decade, and and Tom Brady was too for it.
3: And at the end of the day, though, Kraft is Belichick's boss. So I feel like if Brady wants to come back and Kraft wants him back, maybe that leads to more issues. Maybe Mark, you well, he's not going to the Giants now. Bill Belichick. We know that.
1: <laughs> oh, I've lost sandwiches on that. <laughs> <proposition>.
3: <laughs> Just but, on came close, though. But, uh, you know, it's, I mean, you it's did, something to watch. Didn't come close. Not at all. Uh, two quick um, <laughs> coordinator stories before we get to our uh, coach's draft. Scott Turner, uh, son of Norm. Uh, Norf, Norm <laughs> Turner. That sounds fun. Uh, he will be the new offensive coordinator of uh, the Redskins. Uh, so he, he gets that job. Your thoughts on that? Wes, you got a thought? You got a take? Scott Turner? Scott Turner, baby. I'd I'd like to know
4: how he and Mark got into a
3: confrontation. Well,
4: oh it, yeah, that, that it, was it wasn't a confrontation.
1: I uh, I I overstepped what I've I I saw him at early morning at an airport on the way to the combine. We happened to be on conne- the same connecting flight to Indianapolis. And Scotty Turner. Yeah, and I was none of you guys were around. I was alone. I had this weird flight, and like so, I you know, in this like kind of waiting area, went up to him and tried to approach and have a conversation. Hey, I'm Mark Sessler from NFL.com, I think I said. And he just like staring right through me and just could not have been less uh, interested in speaking with me. And I don't blame him. It was like 6.45 in the morning or something. But mm. How much younger is he than you? I think he is younger than me by a number of years. Yeah. I think
5: yeah. he did a good job with Carolina. He's <laughs> getting most of the credit for actually coordinating that offense even before he was officially named uh, the play caller. All things considered, I think they did a pretty good job. Can I ask you a question. What? How did you recognize Scott Turner in an airport? <laughs> well, cuz he
1: had been on the he had been on the Browns staff. Uh, so, you know, I uh, that got, that in was what capacity how capacity on the staff? I think he was might have been the quarterback's coach or but That's he's still, you know. You've
4: been known to be big Browns man. Football people in airports. Yeah, know
5: know about see, Norv front, but, Norv was there. I, like I, right. I forgot <laughs> Norv was there <laughs> too. <laughs> Norv, yeah. the Norv, was there Norv too. kept bringing yep. him around everywhere and Norv was with the Browns for one year. Norv yep. Norv's been everywhere. But we're at the front
1: Jimmy G. Well, we had a very nice conversation with Jimmy G. I mean, you just got to go for it. Sometimes. Greg
5: Roman
3: was
1: confronted. Greg Roman was is not <laughs> confronted. We had a wonderful time for about twenty minutes. Um, so, fits with Dwayne Haskins, well, I think we are getting old when the head coaches of our childhood, their sons, and you know, are now getting these jobs happening.
3: Finally, the Rams have moved on from Wade Phillips, the veteran defensive coordinator, is out. His contract expired at the end of the twenty nineteen season, and the Rams declined to renew it. Uh, once upon a time, he was the perfect guy to be in that building. You had the young, hotshot offensive coach in Sean McVay, uh, Wes, and then uh, Son of Bum. He was the grizzled veteran with the resume, with the knowledge, with the know-how. But I guess it got to a point where they feel like they need to freshen things up in L.A., and I don't exactly blame them. Well, Mike Silver had this
4: a few weeks ago, and I've been reading quite a bit on it. It seems like Bill Belichick taught Sean McVay something about versatility and adaptability in the Super Bowl and as much as Sean McVay appreciated Wade Phillips scheme the first couple of years he doesn't want to be scheme heavy now he wants to be situation game plan opponent specific to adapt and I think they want to bring in some younger guys Mm. with with fresher ideas yeah I think
5: both I think two things can be true that Phillips did an incredible job and on some level this is unfair top 10 defense you know because the defense was better than Sean McVay's offense this year it's not even it's not even a question and the defense was certainly better in the Super Bowl where what Bill Belichick said before that Super Bowl was absolutely true like we he's like they asked him about the game but he's like we know what Wade's gonna do doesn't mean it's gonna be easy to go against it we, we've been going against this defense in different cities for every year and it basically looks the exact same and you know what it, it was good enough for the Broncos to beat the Patriots a few times and win a Super Bowl is good enough to hold the Patriots to 13 points last year. But it it just doesn't, change. it just doesn't, yeah, it doesn't fit with what Sean McVay wants and that's understandable too.
1: I would imagine if there's any hard feelings there that they will ultimately be fine because none of us can know how much it helped Sean McVay to have the knowledge, the experience, the respect, and just the overall aura of Wade Phillips in that building. I think the, the reason that they were able to turn it around so quickly and flip the switch, he has a huge part to right, do Right, their defense, especially in 2017, McVay's first
5: year was was fantastic
3: and wade phillips turned 73 in june uh he's a coach he's the son of a coach he still of, wants um, to coach i imagine he will be scooped up and be someone else's dc <laughs> wild. 2020
4: i mean if you can be president i guess why not hey joe judge <laughs> needs an offensive and defensive coordinator right i mean that feels like it would fit in with the
3: old uh maybe a little Todd monk and wade phillips action all right that sounds that's funny. what's happening <laughs> In the news. All right, let's do it. Let's have some fun here. This, I have to give the credit to uh, Maddie Tanton and Jason Kleiman, who help um, they produce the Power Rankings digital show that I do with Money and Cynthia. We had a quarterback draft for the playoffs this morning, and I said, oh, that's fun. And I felt too on the nose to straight steal that idea. But if I just change uh, what we're talking about and then steal the idea, it didn't feel quite as larcenous. It's fine. I mean, I all these ideas have been done. It's good. Okay. <laughs> Sell it, baby. All right, so we will do a playoff coaches draft. There are eight playoff teams remaining eight head coaches, and um, yes, it's uh, the age order, which worked out for me. Because which means you're first. <laughs> I'm in my 30s. so.
5: Uh, oh, wow. That really worked out uh, for the guy who made up the rules. It's it's funny how it does work
3: out like that. So I have, let's see, what are our choices? You also, get, you also don't get to make your last pick. Wait, you don't even know get, who the coaches you get, are? You get stuck <laughs> with uh, the eighth pick. That's true. Maybe can I pick one of the coaches that are out? For the eighth pick, or no. I just get to yeah. him? No, absolutely not. It's uh, changing I get, the rules on the fly I'll as get, we progress. I'll get a, a coordinator from one of these teams. You're going to get the uh, guy you want at uh, eight anyway. All right, here we go. What, well, Gase is available.
4: No, <laughs> oh, your oh, favorite Gase. little your favorite little AFC South coach. You'll still be there at eight. <laughs> <laughs> little oh, HFC. I love it. I love it. So B.O.P. I, mean, I, ranked, I ranked the top seven. I was like, it's a given that Bill O'Brien's going last. Oh, wow. wow. I don't okay. know. I have, the seven, sure I, I have the seventh pick. and we'll, Did I'll, you watch the first 40 minutes of the wild card I've, round? <laughs> hey, my front office
3: is going to have to examine <laughs> that, the options I mean, that are listen, there. Listen, Can I just say, though, they happened to beat the team that Wes thought was going to like run through the playoffs oh, and that then as go 19-0 next year? You, you saw Please. that as a
4: coaching victory. Okay. Go home,
3: Bills, and go home, West, because Bill O'Brien's my number. No. No. Have no. seen
4: Bill O'Brien on all of his wild card weekends? Stop it. 30 uh, to nothing Chiefs? Come no, on.
5: I mean, I mean Bill O'Brien's got more winning seasons by far than Ron Rivera does over the last decade. Ron Rivera's not
4: Thank in you. this exercise. Just
3: all second. right, here we go. Here are the choices. Of course, I know everyone knows, but maybe you're new to the game and this is your first real like connection stop, with the NFL. Stop
5: buying time so you can figure out who the coaches are. <laughs> we have Mike Zimmer
3: pick. of the Vikings. We have Kyle Shanahan of the Niners. We have Bob with the Texans. We have Andy Reid with the Chiefs. Mike Vrabel with the Titans. John Harbaugh with the Ravens. Pete mm-hmm. Carroll with the Seahawks, and Matt Lafleur. The flower, oh, I'm loving.
5: I'm loving package. having the two pick because. I'm just loving it.
3: To me, it's a the like one pick's not two, great actually. Two man draft. Like if Belichick was there, bang, I right. got it. But he's not here. He's home too, Greg. Just with Adam Gase. It's it's, a, it's one and the same. It's a relief. How about how about Bill Belichick Feels coaching nice. one more game than than Adam Gase this year? How about when you just cut it down? To, oh, that's oh, one way to look at it. But. Yeah, I just those <laughs> are facts. All right, the first pick is <laughs> is gonna be. I'd argue Gase didn't
5: coach seven. How about of, how games, about a creating a memory that will live in Patriots? That's lore forever on Monday Night Football. You know, what more did they really need after that game? Uh, well, that's all you
3: get. All right, here we go. The first pick will be. Oh, I'm seeing ghosts. <laughs> Still? <laughs> the first pick will be. This is tough. You've had this. You've been on the clock all day since you came up with this segment. <laughs> uh, you know what? I love him, I, and you can come after it and say he's got a, a scarred postseason history. He can't run the clock, but Andy Reid's my pick. Andy Reid uh, is just a guy that I love. A guy, yes. Is, does he have some baggage? Yes. But do I feel like when a team hits the field of these eight remaining coaches that they're going to be well-prepared, that they're going to have a scheme on offense that works and what he's been able to prove? He's built a whole program in Kansas City. That defense has gotten better and better as the season's gone along. And at the top of the food chain, uh, he's responsible for that as well. So Andy Reid is my first pick and the first overall pick of the coaches draft. Your thoughts? Mm.
1: I don't give him a pass for losing those playoff games with Alex Smith at quarterback. I, what I do think, though, is that he had a level of talent like Patrick Mahomes that Andy Reid probably would be a two-time Super Bowl winner at this point. I mean, he's, you know, I, I can't argue with the pick at all. Totally solid. He's
4: one of the best offensive minds, one of the best quarterback handlers. To me, I had him ranked third, and the only reason mm. was he's failed in game management. Yeah, he would have been in my top two. It's
5: if you're just starting an organization and especially if, you know, he's a little a little younger, he may be he's choice number 1. Now, if you get into a playoff field and it's a ju- in this and uh, among these 8, uh, oh, You're taking on the clock him now. John no, Harbaugh? I'm not. No, I'm, oh, okay. I'm talking about Andy Reid. Got it, got it. I, I to me it was a t- I knew what my top 2 were, uh, Dan, and you took one of them. Okay. So, um so I I don't have any problem with that. I, I think Andy Reid it. is somehow underrated.
3: I'd love to see – I feel like we had the same conversation last year and then it, it ended with broken hearts against the Patriots in the AFC title game. I want Andy Reid at opening night, the media night. I want him on the platform next to Nance or whomever, whomever it will be <laughs> after, with the confetti coming down. It's time for Andy Reid to right. have his epic moment, and uh, I'm going with Reid. Number two I agree, picks. and he put up 31 points on the Patriots when Sean McVay's Rams put up
5: three. I mean, he's an offensive guy. That's what I want in 2000. And twenty, and that's why I'm going Kyle Shanahan, who's kind of to me the. What big, was that sound? Boy? That was my. That, <laughs> that was. Hurt. I mean, I'm not going to get him
1: at number four, but
5: now like, you, like, you
3: isolate that sound. This drop, is
2: please, a disaster. <laughs> that was some. That that almost compared to Greg's throat noise. That
1: it was just a, a sigh, but I didn't want to. I mean, you know in, interrupt it was a him. little um,
3: erotic. It was like I don't know about that. that, that. Was for a guy it was like, oh. well, that's he was my number one pick <laughs> overall. So I'm, you do love Kyle. You love yourself some Kyle. I know that I. Think
5: he's he's everything you want because he's the com- he's the best combination I think of modern philosophies and aggressiveness and offense and week to week game planning with a a groundwork a foundation that's really built from Kerry Kubiak and from Mike Shanahan and has is tried and true and he can do anything that you want like he can install a great running game a great passing game and I do think he has a a big global vision, too, as a head coach. He would have been my number one uh, overall pick. I'm excited to get him.
4: Nice job by you. Might be the best offensive mind in football.
1: Mm.
3: The nice. hat's a little on my radar. The hat with the flapper. Yeah, but
1: and that's the biggest the problem you have with – not. I mean, anyone would have with is. a coach. It's kind of like, I'll take it. I mean – this was and like about like the it.
5: players like him. He's young, like uh, he just checks all the boxes, and he and
3: he, and he fulfilled his promise. You know, it, it seemed a little star crossed the first two years, and then once he got the roster that was healthy and the quarterback was on the field, he proved that he's a guy that can coach a team. So yeah, I think it's a a solid number two pick, and that takes us now to Chris Wessling, the third uh, youngest member of the group. You're up.
4: Well, just like I had Bill O'Brien in his own <laughs> tier at the bottom, I had John Harbaugh in his own tier at the top as easily the number one pick. I know Greg's always hated him as a coach. That's and not been trying, <laughs> true at oh. been Trying to get him fired on this program for last. Sure. I love a good
3: like a side west zinger towards yeah, Greg. Greg's
4: put him on the hot seat year after
5: year. Even Especially, he's it's not true. been One of the five best coaches I, in the league. The whole time. All I did was kept pointing out that their own owner said I considered firing him. Right, and he but said I multiple you times. to
4: use your own football analysis. And realize this guy he can't get fired because he's one of the best coaches. And he's good. Doesn't mean he almost
3: didn't lose his job. To me,
4: the runaway pick for coach Go ahead, Dana. No, I was just gonna
3: say. When I did the hot butt (laughs) rankings in August, I had it on good authority from someone that's super plugged in the league that Harbaugh was not as safe as uh, people thought. And then they went 14 and 2. And that was so there was some type of rumblings that he needed. From Bashadi in a a postseason. But
4: like I said, I expect you to use your football analysis and realize
3: he's too good of a
4: coach to (laughs) allow that to happen. Good coaches get fired. Right. But also, Belichick didn't get fired because he's that good. And Harbaugh's. Not Belichick level, but right there under it.
5: He's my coach of the year this year. I wouldn't have taken away. Shanahan for that. I think Shanahan would have had a strong number two considering all the injuries that they had that they overcome to go 13-3 and three in, in the schedule that they play. They could have easily beaten the Ravens if they got... But I would put Harbaugh number one for sure.
4: He has picked the right coordinators. He has chosen to revolutionize offense go all in on Lamar Jackson, all in on their philosophy, their vision, instill confidence with this team, and use analytics in a a game management way that has given them an edge on opponents all year long, love the way they go for fourth downs. I'm all in on John Harbaugh. I, I I think he's one of the best
1: coaches of his generation. I love any of these guys that show the ability to recreate who they are uh, to hang through the re- complete recreation of a team in a roster like John Harbaugh's done and he's got a, a collection of interesting people in that locker room and he they seem to respect and that's a credit to entirely. ownership too, Ab- by the way. No, they're they're teams they are, are one of the best
3: well. best run teams in the league. Uh, have an ability to see things through and not make the move. It's so easy to just fire the head coach when it's time for a quote unquote regime change, and they because the Ravens are so well run. And Wes, and the last special teams coordinator
5: to be hired sin- before Joe Judge, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, has oh, there wow. been any since? I mean, and in, in he's in, the one that you always that attached. One, to that the, one worked. This is in why that, you're yeah. feeling
3: good right now, Wes. In addition to your uh, positive feelings about the man the only coach so far that has a Super Bowl ring uh, in our draft. So he's proven he could take you the distance, which takes us to Mark Anthony Sessler. Edward. Not my
1: middle name. Edward Sessler. Edward. Uh, well, I'm going to go Pete Carroll. And I and I find it interesting that there are so many people that are always down on Pete Carroll. And at, a number, at, at the fourth pick here, I look at the rest of this list and Pete Carroll has won a Super Bowl. Pete Carroll has... Like Harbaugh, uh, overseen, overseen the transition of Seahawks 1.0 into Seahawks 2.0. You've got the same quarterback there, but that's not that wasn't the major issue. But on defense, especially, and you know we don't we don't get to pull the GM along with him, which I'd like to do. I get it. Pete Carroll, you know, I feel like being around Greg. There's just these endless complaints about his, you know, time management and game management and little things that are important. They punting, but, they get strays. All well, no, but, this no, guy. but 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 see, I I come from a little bit of a different place. He's a great than Greg. coach, I've always been super
5: positive on Pete Carroll.
1: Well, I I don't know. I feel like this year I I keep hearing him getting killed. And what I what I do feel about Pete Carroll the man uh who the the person the the way that he relates to people, his youthful zeal, I can never tell how old he is. I know it's way up there, but he just seems like someone that is curious about the world He's 100 and years old. I I would honestly consider Pete Carroll over some of the people that we've talked about uh atop him in this exercise depending on what kind of team it was. Ah. Oh. So, Pete Carroll, tell me why I made a terrible choice. Should have gone Mike Rabel here, huh? Easy, easy. I don't know. I think we all probably would have. It's funny the whole hey man, time. It's a pick, all right?
5: The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time you're like, back off me, I'm my Pete Carroll. All I, of us, all us, us were. Of like, negat- yeah, we probably would have taken Carroll there too. There's a lot like, of
1: negativity man. towards Pete
3: Carroll this season, and I don't get it. I just I don't. I don't appreciate. <laughs> it. I don't like his conspiracy theories. I think they're a little far flung, and he's. All, but he's sometimes uh, dangerous. According, sometimes dangerous. According to people that follow the team, he's toned down some of the TED Talk speaker stuff and some of the motivational things that just seemed a little bit flighty, um, which always was on my radar a little bit. Uh, but, it, I mean, the success. You cannot argue with the success that he's had. Speaking of coaches that have outlived entire runs, the Legion of Boom is an ancient memory. Usually a coach gets tied to one great era and then gets washed out. When that ends, he's been able to stay vital and he's a big part of that team. Ten wins That's or more. That's a great pick, Mark. In, in, Thank in, you. In, entire <laughs> Russell
5: Wilson era. Ten wins or more, Go except off. for uh, 2017.
1: And guess what, Mark? All right, thanks to you, baby. It's snake-y. Well, I I am not totally sold on any of the rest of the list here, but I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to oh, go with Mike Rabel. I am right. really, really impressed oh, with is, what Wes is upset. Well, like that makes, me, go feel that makes me feel that good. That makes me feel Wes wanted him. That's, That's what what I at five. him at three. Oh. I think he's a great coach. I, you know, he's got all. He's kind of does everything that I would everything you'd want in a football coach. He seems capable at, and you know the Titans are a team. It's not easy when you get attached to these sort of milquetoast middle of the road teams that have a kind of like a reputation for underwhelming and and just sort of not having an identity or standing. I think he's built a team with an identity. Uh, You know I don't care that he's defensive minded because. Everyone a year ago was talking about go get the best passing game coordinator, offensive coordinator, and the team that dominated everyone is Greg Roman running the ball 460 times a day. So there's a lot of ways to win, and they, he uses his, the players he has pretty well. Mike Rabel, no questions asked. He's out there before the game doing hundreds of push-ups. He's planking for hours on end.
4: Then you get... You get to the game and he's out Belichick and Belichick at the end of the game, not giving them the ball for three minutes mm. on some fake punt nonsense, some fake good. penalties. Yeah. He came which, in
3: cracking a lot of jokes he did, all week. I like that. He, you're right. He did the thing that Belichick did to Gase on that Monday night game where he just burned off like multiple minutes of game clock on a technicality.
4: And he knows the <laughs> Patriots. Which is great. As he said, feast on bad football. And we didn't hand them anything. Mm. This guy knows how to coach. This team is super confident. I think they might be the... Most confident team in the playoffs, except for the Ravens, and they get that from
2: Vrabel and Derek
4: Henry.
5: Mm. Uh, Erica had a question for you, though. She asked me. I'm not sure why, but
1: uh, a question for who? For
5: Mark.
2: You, I guess. I just like what's milk toast? Milk toast like, you sort you of use means that like word all the, all the time. Land
1: middle of the road. Um, <laughs> you that's,
2: <laughs> that's, <laughs> have to go back and read it Charles <laughs> no, Dickens I describe it. it yeah, but like, but Erica was
5: like, like toast coated in milk.
2: It's add a like little egg, sort of, you know. Yeah. Add a little yeah. egg, make it French toast. No, it's I like milk it's a with the it's
5: milk with the mean, it, yeah,
1: it's M I L Q U E. Bland, bland yeah. would be uh, the, the yeah.
5: synonym, I guess. No, yeah. milk
1: toast sounds gross to me because I don't need them matched or put together. Milk and Plus toast, food, soggy bread, yeah, with a milk to smell. To I mean, that sounds it. good to me. Like kind of a somehow you make the toast.
2: Well, that's how you make a French toast. toast. You add a little egg, and that's that's a great. Yeah,
1: but it doesn't sound. It sounds cold, not warm. You don't like food. I don't want... I you don't heat I it need, up. I don't need a, a cold piece of bread dipped into milk. Am I that crazy to no, not, you, not prefer that? No, you have to have egg too and then you put it... A little bit of egg. Hard pass. You gotta
4: have this. All right, Wes.
3: <laughs> let's fly. A little syrup. Oh. Let's fly.
4: <laughs> Never. Uh, and I'm not going to be nearly as passionate about this one because I want it variable. I'll take Matt LaFleur just because I don't want Mike Zimmer or Bill O'Brien. Hmm. <laughs> and I know Zimmer had one of his best games of his Vikings career last week. Great game plan. Um, I just... Not wild about the way he coaches situationally. I don't like that his defense what? often doesn't show up in big games. I'm taking Matt LaFleur, who has exceeded expectations, even though Greg won't give him any credit for going 13-3 in Green Bay. <laughs> I, I would be if, like, <laughs> Frankly, if I'm
5: Matt LaFleur and uh, this, the hypothetical fans that are rooting for whatever organization Wes is putting together, I'd be a little concerned that, you, that almost none of that was about Matt LaFleur. Right, It was all about Mike it was all about Mike Zimmer and me. I admitted me.
4: that up front. I wanted Vrabel. <laughs> just, if that's the best that you got, that's, you know. I just don't want Zimmer and O'Brien. Mm. That's what I feel strongly about. You guys take those two.
5: I think Matt LaFleur's done a good job. And I think they, uh, they've
3: been pretty good in game management uh, compared to, uh, certainly now, compared to McLeod. I will say this, 13-3 is great. No one is sold on the Packers. If they get bounced out of the divisional round, it's not going to look looking so hot. From It'll be like, oh, a nice regular season, but wasn't really. Their offense, by the way, this was a crazy Wait, stat. Wait, you just
4: said the Seahawks were going to lose earlier. Uh, well, it's going
1: to be a close game.
3: Oh, uh, <laughs> You're saying if this happened to the I mean, Tigers. I'm just saying. It was, it's a, I, I disagree with that. 13-3 and three is successful no let matter just, what. Let me just say this. It is First pretty year. wild. And maybe, maybe I'd say, uh, i save this point for Thursday. No, I'll say it now. It is pretty say wild that you have a new Offensive-minded guru as your head coach. You have Aaron Rodgers healthy for 16 games, and they were never higher uh, than 17th in total offense this year. They finished at 18. They never got hot and moved into the top 10. They were always a middle-of-the-pack or a little bit of worse offense. That's pretty wild. With Rodgers healthy for 16 games, they couldn't get things going. Well, I wanna, ever. Did Matt he, they,
1: get Flore get the version of Aaron Rodgers that he was expecting? I, I don't know.
5: I think Straight I think
1: up. I think they've done a pretty good job with what they with
5: what they've had, but it is pretty remarkable. Their points scored were the exact same uh, in 2018 and 19. Uh, and uh, almost all their offensive stats are... And almost, Mike McCarthy like, almost the nearly exact,
3: assassinated. Almost the exact same. In Green Bay on the way out the door. Oh, they find, they, ha- they had ways to win. They had to put a roof over his car driving out of that facility.
4: I'm not, hey, at least Matt LaFleur <laughs> hands the ball to Aaron Jones once
3: Right. a not, You know who was up in the perch? Aaron Rodgers was up in the book depository. It's
1: concerning.
4: You try scoring points with Jimmy Graham as your tight end. It's tough.
3: All right, Greg? I think Mike Zimmer's underrated.
5: I'm glad to get him here uh, down this deep. Selling himself on this one. In the draft. <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> Fifty-seven and thirty-eight in six years. One losing season, and that was seven and nine. I mean, they are tough to game plan for. I think they do adapt pretty well. If you if you want to give people credit for hiring coaches, well, how about Gary Stefanski and Gary Kubiak? I mean, Kevin <laughs> Stefanski and Gary Kubiak. Oh, Gary's. That's a nice little uh, that's a nice little offensive combination that you've that you've put together, Stefanski and Kubiak, and you have a, a defense that's. Very good. It's not great, but it's very good. And I think especially all the veterans that are on the team, I think they're able to switch what they do on a week-to-week basis, which should be a good recipe in the playoffs. Now, they haven't been in the playoffs that often. What, is he now 2-2 and in the playoffs? I'm trying to think.
4: They're in almost every year, aren't they?
5: No, three. They lost that one to the Seahawks, and then they they made they won one game and lost the NFC Championship. And now they've won this one, so he's two and two in the playoffs. But in theory, I think that's the type of team that you want in the playoffs, and a type of coach that can change what you do each week because you got a veteran defense.
1: I like Mike's Parcells raves about him. I mean, he's yeah. I I think that what stands out to me why I wouldn't jumped on him earlier is just. I don't know. I mean, it is something about Mike Zimmer scream like 2020 versatility? I, I hear you, but he, hired, yeah, the, but he's got he hired the right people to do it. But also, I thought last year's team... Was hurt a little bit by Zimmer not. Well, you're you know, just pushing. you're annoyed the Vikings are playing. I mean, how'd you feel about
5: no, the fourth feel, quarter last week? Kirk, Kirk Cousins had one bad throw last uh, Sunday, and Mark immediately was like, "Get this team out of our lives." Well, all right, but you know <laughs> He's what? Say it all
1: but, season. This team has hold no chance. I I also think I simply underestimated them and w- was wrong. And after, by the end of that game, they they. instilled a different type of confidence in me. Who cares what I think about the Vikings? I'm just saying, 600 uh,
5: winning percentage for over a six-year period. He's very solid. That's pretty solid. That's pretty solid. Uh,
3: I'm so thrilled to have Bill (laughs) O'Brien joining my fold at the eighth pick. Uh, It's a perfect way. Uh, Him and Andy Reid, two minds, great minds. And I just have to say... Everyone hates Bill O'Brien in this room. I, don't, I, I, I definitely do not actually. I would have no, taken him over a, a few guys. And That's it's, not true. It's bonkers to me how year after year – Nobody in this room ever ever misses the opportunity to come after Bill O'Brien as being incompetent or bad or overmatched or outcoached or out GM'd, and yet he's always there at the end. Five years, four playoff uh, appearances. He's now up to two wins, and he's in the divisional round this year. He's proven himself against a lot of doubts to be a pretty solid talent evaluator, wearing the two hats as a GM and as a a head coach, Uh, and... I just mean, back-to-back division titles, these things are not, this is not a Belichick resume, but he is the most successful Belichick disciple, uh, and as unlikable as he may be. as he's not. Uh, I don't think he's unlikable like, You might not like his butt chin. You might be anti Heine chin uh, with the dimple he's got going on there. I even like that. Uh, I just think Bill O'Brien is a guy that's a punching bag, and while you punch him, he a, continues to succeed. This is a manufactured joke. No, it's yeah. not. This is doesn't true. like him no, every single five. year. We're I'm defending this guy in August. And then you get to January, and his team is in the playoffs. Yeah, that has something. I no a lot
1: of straw man going on here. There's you. You have built an, an exquisite He's, straw man. I I mean, he, not, he he won three. Like the straight, match,
3: nothing's going up. Three
1: straight nine-win seasons with nothing at quarterback, and I, you know, you pair him with the Sean Watson, and they're right here. They're alive. They're dangerous. I think that Bill O'Brien was helped by taking over the front office and doing it his way. I think the the one knock on him would to see there seemed to be constant organizational. Uh, intrigue and madness going on behind the scenes. That wasn't the case this year. So I the idea they that, got everyone fired. And let me just so say, it, but, there is but a, that's a Belich That's
3: Belichick wants to run his own front. There is a too. flip side to this. And speaking of the power ranking show, Matt Money Smith made a very good point that I will not deny that this team has laid some eggs in the playoffs and they were laying a big stinky one uh, on Saturday before it seemed to Deshaun Watson was like, that's it. I'm done with this. I'm taking this game over. He started running the ball a lot more uh, and it, it kind of ha- echoes of Mike McCarthy late period Aaron Rodgers relationship I am not saying that Bill O'Brien is the greatest coach ever, but for him to be a no-brainer number eight on this not list, I, I would don't have taken him over. Uh, Let
1: me ask you this: Where guy. would you rank Bill O'Brien on of this? Uh, Middle of, this of the eight? pack.
3: I would put him like if he, if he went sixth or something, that would make sense okay. to me. Uh, but you know, I don't think he's the next Belichick. I just think he's not terrible, and that's how he's so he's, often perceived he's in the. He's been adaptable. <laughs> that's all one?
4: I'm saying. What was his big playoff win? That one or the one against Connor Cook?
3: Oh, what about Mike Vrabel?
5: You're betting on potential, I guess. So I love uh, Mike. No, Vrabel. he what's, was. What's, what's uh, it, I mean, he had he had his first win. Will O'Brien Vrabel go into
4: the
3: playoffs and
4: do what Bill O'Brien's done? How many times against the Chiefs? The first 40 minutes of that game, last year's playoff game, which was I think a 30. He was very close
5: loss. to becoming a, the AFC version of Marvin Lewis, but he's, to that point, that's like a better not. than average head coach. He, he basically played more is.
4: rotten eggs than like a cholera riddled Easter bunny. <laughs> Give me a break. He, so. We were right. I don't. We were wrong about what happened when he became GM. I just didn't like the way he went about it to go do that, and then to set the whole franchise up to basically save Bill O'Brien's I mean, job. I'm not even re- ready to say we were wrong about that.
5: If if they're losing, of course you're not. If they're, well, I think he's been a good coach, but I don't think the fact that. Like those I don't think those trades are proof that that was like a great move. If you're losing in the first round of the playoffs or barely escaping the bills in the first round and then you lose in the second round and you're giving up all these draft assets. By the way Laramie Tunsil was one of the worst players on the field on Saturday which you know he had a great he had a good season but he killed them on, on Saturday. It's like a penalty robot. The, the idea is to win the Super Bowl penalty. and to really contend for a Super Bowl. Good draft guys.
3: Good stuff. Everybody's happy with who. I'm thrilled, I'm actually. If we
1: we're talking about you, have to oh, take two teams into the season. I couldn't be happy. I just don't with, know
3: with Pete Carroll though. At four, I don't know.
2: Mark, five. What are the stakes for these guys though? So for your picks, for virtually, more? virtually more? zero
5: what, stakes, what? like everything else. On we what we say on this show. <laughs> Virtually and nothing. nothing. It no flies repercussions into the what <laughs> are
3: stakes? There <laughs> right. are zero Yeah, stakes. we get to
5: say whatever we want. It doesn't matter if we're right or wrong. No one's going to remember. Well, this is also really hard, I guess. I feel
2: like that the coaches you guys picked are who you have to stick with for the playoff run now. Nah.
1: Mine, my two are playing. Well, <laughs> I'm again. on Seahawks' corner. I mean, I did the right, right. the loyal right thing. Mine are, thing that mine some are, are facing off corner. against
3: each other, so I, I win and lose <laughs> uh, strategy. on Saturday. Um, all right. That's it. The next time you hear from us. Yes, Wes?
4: Once again. Help out our friends in Australia. I had the numbers wrong. It wasn't 500,000 animals dead. 500 million animals, and that total oh is gosh. old. This is a disaster. This is a catastrophe. It's a disaster. It's both. Rural Fire Service, Wires Animal Rescue, Australian Red Cross, if you would like to donate, those are all places you can donate, and they will send that to a good cause.
3: I don't know if it's a Internet thing. And not real, but I believe it could be real. The the, if you show the photo from space above Australia, it's just red and brown and orange, and that is not a good thing. So yes, um, if you can help out, please do it. And to our listeners uh, from that area of the world, uh, hope you're okay. Stay safe. All right, we will be back Thursday with. Our preview of the divisional playoffs, yes. What what better weekend is there on the NFL calendar than eight of the best teams in the league fighting it out, hoping to get to the final four of the bracket for the Super Bowl? Don't think there's one.
1: Preseason week three is kind of tight. That's and there's pretty good.
3: A lot of a lot to observe. A lot of jobs in week four of the preseason, too, on the line. So All right, so it's the third best week mm. of the year. <laughs> I like that <laughs> week right after the Super Bowl. Oh, that's a great that's, week. It's a nice week. It's <laughs> a good week for you. Ali Bonpuri, our digital features editor, said, make sure you get a 32-team power rankings out two days after the Super Bowl. I said, yeah,
1: that's going to do well. No, I think that's a good – that's a sound – They do, actually.
5: That's a sound like That day after the concept. Super Bowl goes crazy. I remember what I was – that's like the most popular day of the year is the day after the Super Bowl. Well, Can't
4: you hire that out to someone – Some one of those women who Mark made up like Sally Lee Yates or something. What, what, what I Clark will look for a sound up. These are
1: these are
3: actual workhorses. Do you have that sound effect, by the way, Erica? There it is. It, that was a little erotic. You know, you're Pete Carroll. Or no, it, it was the Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan. Under your breath. No, I,
1: I recall now. Like it's yes, thank you.
3: <laughs> Let's go. Passion. That's what it was. That was the passion from within. It's like right after the Passion, so like Dan Aykroyd signing off <laughs> for Quiet Storm, the Mailman, the Old Boss, and Rick Hollywood behind the glass ah! till Thursday.